Welcome to the Bruce Bright Breakdown. My name is Dr. Bruce Bright. I'm a Marine fighter pilot, retired, did uh, 28 years in the Marine Corps. Following that, went to school, got my doctorate in psychology, and now a coach. What we're going to do on the Bruce Bright Breakdown is we're going to break down each guest as they bring in their topic. So we're going to get to the Bruce Bright Breakdown each and every week. I hope you join us. It's going to be fun, exciting, informative, and I think you'll love it. So join us right here on the Bruce Bright Breakdown. All right, guys, welcome to the Bruce Bright Breakdown. Today, we've got Paul DeMarco with us. I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of Paul, and then uh, we're going to let Paul tell the story. So, Paul, first of all, uh, disclaimer here, Paul's a close friend of mine. I love him like a brother. We're church members together. Paul is an attorney here in Birmingham, Alabama. He's also heavily involved in Alabama politics and also national politics. He's very knowledgeable about what's going on politically today. We'll get to that. But to start with, Paul, I want to welcome you to the podcast and also... Let's start by just kind of, let's just tell your story. Like, how did you get to where you're at? Well, glad to be with you and your listeners. Uh, look forward to the next uh, few minutes here visiting. I always tell people I was born and raised here in Alabama, and I got a plot at the local cemetery. I'm not going anywhere. Love my state and love my community. And I think that's how I first got involved with elected office. I served in the Alabama House of Representatives for 10 years, but went back along time ago, candidly, the first time I was in the fifth grade, and there was an article about all the Alabama lawmakers got refrigerators. And I don't know why, but since the time I was a child, I've always been very fiscally conservative. Even as a child, I hated waste. And I thought, that is craziest thing. How What a waste of money that all these refer- legislators get refrigerators. So I called the governor's office, I guess just... In the fifth grade. In the fifth grade, a clueless child... Should have been worried more about, you know, other stuff. But, I don't know. Um, and, and the governor's office said, well, you need to call your legislator and complain about it. And I did. At the time, it was Spencer Backus who later got elected to Congress. And I complained about it. He says, once you come down and spend the day as a page. And I went down there. And he said, let me show you these refrigerators you're mad about. And it turned out, I thought it was one of these, you know, the eight-foot-top uh, frigidaires, and it was a little mini fridge. Mini fridge. Said, it's yeah. not that big. Like a dorm room. It like a dorm room. And he said, see, it's not that big a deal. It didn't cost that much money. I said, well, and, you know, fast forward 35 years later or whatever, I um, I got elected to the Alabama House of Representatives. And the first thing I said was, take that refrigerator out of my office. <laughs> they still had them. I said, I don't want it because <laughs> it was 20 years old. <laughs> my, my, my 10-year-old <laughs> self would be mad at my 40-year-old self. For having that fridge. So, so that page that page experience, was that a one-day event or was it? I was there for a couple of days. And look, I think if, if we look at where we are in society right now, I think civic education is really lacking. So my son was a page. Who are you a page for? Students. Yeah. So he went down to the page. It was a, a great opportunity. Learned a lot. Spent some time in Montgomery. You kind of see how the you know the sausage is made. And it was, I think it was a because right. he was saying— he was a little little further than fifth grade, I think, but he was you know, a young kid and got his eyes open. So you've obviously been interested in politics since a very young age and interested in being fiscally conservative. That says a lot. You're 10 years old and you're worried about refrigerators <laughs> and the politicians. I know, when I was 10, I was worried about candy. Yeah, I was uh, about like, to say, candy I should have been. Yeah, I where been. my next candy bar coming from? Okay, so let's run that forward. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I graduated from Mount Brook High School. They went to Auburn University for undergraduate school, then University of Alabama for law school. Okay, so everything in Alabama. Came here and, you know, back and been back ever since. And I said, I love my community. And I think all of us, you were talking about, I was a 
an Eagle Scout. And, and one of the first things you learn as a Boy Scout is you, my first camping trip was to Warm Springs, Georgia, where Franklin Delano Roosevelt's home was. That's where he passed away yeah. Yeah. in Warm Springs, Georgia, right over the border in Alabama for, into, into Georgia. And, and it always sticks with me. My first camping trip, it was the Sunday morning. We were packing up our sleeping bags and our tents. And, and I packed everything up, and I had my backpack with my sleeping bag and my tent, everything. And my scoutmaster came to me and says, there's a, a piece of trash. It looks like a, a crumbled up Coca-Cola can. And I said, well, that's not mine. And he said, Paul, doesn't matter it's not yours. You leave this place, this campsite, better than you found it. Yeah. I don't care if it was here before. You leave it better than you found it. And, and You learned a lesson there. I learned a great lesson that I try to give to my children, which is, all of us have a role to leave our place better than we found it before. Yeah, not only the environment, but I think everything we're doing. Everything whatever, we do, whatever our community, doing, our region. And right. again, I get back to now more than ever, yep. civic involvement, civic education, leaving our community. Because it's and I don't know if this is part of the pandemic or what, a lot of self-centered as opposed to, you know, take care of yourself. Be self-reliant. Make yeah. sure that you can live yourself on your own but then the next thing is take care of your family and your friends and your community yeah exactly and if you don't take care of yourself first you can't take care of those other things but you know i'm an eagle scout bruce jr's eagle scout and i can tell you now you know i'm, I'm 61 today today's my birthday and the things that are important to me today are the things that i learned as a very young man so i think it's important that all the way back to the fifth grade for you and probably younger for me those things that are that are built into us they stick and they stay so I'll, I'll do one sidebar, and this is not the topic, but personally, I think the biggest issue we have in America today is fatherless homes. Uh, Alabama probably leads that race. But if we had more dads in the homes, we have a whole lot less of what we have going on. Like two weekends ago in Birmingham, Alabama, we had seven murders on the weekend. Chicago had seven murders, and we have less people than they do. In fact, I think I heard you say that on the radio. Yeah, and you're on, we're on 105.5 or one of them, whichever it was, 99.5, whatever it is. All right, so you went to and, law school. And, and again, part of that is if you look, if we go find those people that committed their crimes, I, I guarantee you it's... Where's their dad? Role model and why are you on the street? Yeah, where's their dad? And, and you're solving your problem with a gun. Yeah, they don't know any other way. Yeah. So I will say bless the hearts of those women out there that are raising these babies. Absolutely. Okay, so you went to law school, and what what did you want to do out of you know with why a law degree? You know, I have always been a student of history, and I love this country, and you know, I think the law was part of that. I mean, just you know, I, I had a scoutmaster that was a judge, and I would go watch him in the courtroom. So there's that mentoring again. Yeah, and 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 again, getting back like you said, mentoring more than ever. I mean, look at where we've been the past couple of years and look where we are in society where, you know, people are working from home. They're not going to church as much. They're not having, uh, you know, we, we've kind of suburbanization. And it's like, I think more than ever, we need people to connect with other people. Yeah. COVID, COVID changed the world in terms of that connecting with others, going into the office. Now it's hard. It's really hard. There are many employers having a hard time getting their workers to come back, even though COVID's COVID's over. We know. have told, you know, there is something about a work environment. I don't care what profession you are is there is something about either having a second set of eyes to look at something or running something by somebody. And it is not the same as a Zoom call no. or a phone call. It, Sitting across the table like you and I are doing, 
Yep, we're in studio. So yeah, uh, is much better, and I prefer it. As a matter of fact, I've had a judge recently say, "Well, we need to have a hearing." I said, "Judge, I really would appreciate it if we could do this in your in courtroom." Person. And I understand now the financial benefits of sometimes doing some Zoom to avoid trial. But anytime I can do something in person. I want to do it in person. Yeah. Well, I think all of those Zooms and emails and tech, that's all supporting actors. The meat is face-to-face. That's how can, That's how business is done. Can you imagine if our founding fathers did the Declaration of Independence by Zoom? Zoom? Yeah, we, wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't be here today. We would not yeah. be here. There's something about looking someone in the eye, a trust factor when you're debating, because you're like, you know what? Maybe, you know, one of the, the, the debates in, when the founding fathers were debated, this country was about having a president and giving the the power and checks and balances. And they were worried about a king. And they went round and round about electing the Senate or the Senate electing the president as opposed to the people. And being there in that room together in Philadelphia, the give and take, and at the end of it, they came up with a document for the Declaration of Independence and Constitution eventually. And it was being together. So, yep. I don't think it is a stretch to say we are better off when we are together. Well, so, you know, my doctorate's in psychology and I coach. And just this week, I was coaching a client, a corporate client, about communication strategies. And the listeners may not know this, but, you know, when you're communicating, it's made up of three buckets, if you will. One is verbiage, the words that you're using. But the words that you're using only represent 7% of your communications, 38% is how you say it. We, we, if you're married or dating or ever had a significant other, you've heard this. Honey, it's not what you said to me. It's how you said it. Yeah. And then finally, 55% of your communications is how you look. This is why politicians, and I know you've been one, this politicians will drive up to a group that they're going to speak with, get out of their fancy car, take off their jacket, roll up their sleeves, and go on the stage and talk about we're going to roll up our sleeves and get to work and be a hard worker. Uh, that's not true. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know most politicians that roll their sleeve up and do any kind of manual labor, but the, they look that way. And it's 55% of the communication. So it works. When you have the gathering looking, they want to see how you look, and that's what they're going to vote on. Remember Donald Trump said this, and I, I'm a Trump fan. I'm a conservative. But Trump said, I can murder somebody on Fifth Avenue and still get elected president. He said that on national TV. And he got elected. The reason? Doesn't matter what you say. The words don't, 7%. Recently, Joe Biden, he said so many things that don't make any sense. But recently, he, he said something like, you can drive coast to coast in your electric car on one tank of gas. Okay, come on. It's an electric car, Joe. But it doesn't matter because that's only 7% of the message. That's one of the reasons he hadn't got beat up more than he has is because it doesn't matter what he says. It's only 7%. 55% is how you look when you're saying it. And so that's what we hang our hat on. And we're going to the midterm elections. And just yesterday, I had a client in a group. Now, I was doing a group coaching session. But I had a client tell me that he didn't like the way that Herschel Walker looked. And I said, what's Herschel Walker going to do? This is Georgia Senate race. And I said, well, you, what, what you should be focused on is what is Herschel Walker going to do for you as opposed to Warnock? That's all that matters. Right. And, but he's going, I'm telling you, right down the boat, how he looks. He looks like, he, he looks like an idiot or whatever he says. And he's going to base his vote on that. And politicians get elected all the time. I don't know if you were coached this way, but most, especially running for national office, politicians are coached heavily on how to communicate. Because it's if if you look the part, you'll get elected. 
If you don't look the part, you're not because the words don't matter. You know, we've heard so many crazy things. You know, there's there's a guy up in Pennsylvania running against Dr. Oz. His name is Fetterman. Fetterman, yeah. Okay, what does Fetterman wear every time on TV? A hoodie. He wears a hoodie. He's a he's a trust fund baby. The man ain't never had a job. He certainly don't wear hoodies outside of these events. But the reason he wears a hoodie is because he looks like a steel worker. And steel workers are standing in the crowd going, hey, that's my man. He looks just like me. But Fetterman's a trust fund baby, and he is going to do the work. He's the Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders baby. He's going to crush them if he if they elect him. Uh, and Dr. Oz, of course, is in a coat and tie, like most politicians. Coat and tie for men and appropriate whatever the equivalent is for female that's running for politics. But, you know, as we go into these midterms, I think it's important for all of our listeners to remember, ask what they're going to do for you, not how they look. You're right. And, and communication skills, and it doesn't matter what you are, whether you're a farmer or a teacher or a banker or a laborer and manufacturer, communication skills matter so much. And, and all of us, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can't pick up enough good communication skills, whether you're communicating with your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or your boss. Yeah, I agree in that because that's what I mean. Communication skills get it done. You know, there's, I've had a number of people, and I, I, I try my best to be neutral on the podcast. The show is about you, not me. But I've had a number of people tell me when Trump was president and we, when we were having the elections with Biden, um, they said, well, I'm not going to vote for him because he's mean. My question to them is, you ever met him? Have you ever met Biden, Obama, Bush, Clinton? I ain't met none of them. I'm never going to meet them. And so I don't care if they look mean. What I want to know is, at the end of the day, especially if it's a politician, what are you going to do for me and my family and my community? And the big thing is I tell my children all the time, the reason that dad is really interested in politics is because they control my money. They control my taxes, all things that go around my funds. And I, I want to keep my money. I want to keep my money so I can support my family. And I think I've convinced most of my children to at least be engaged with politics. But make sure you know what, this, what the person's going to do. In the year 2022, in the United States of America, what we need more than ever are educated and engaged voters who educate themselves on the issues. Do not count on the mainstream media or social media or the Internet that they themselves take the time to research the candidates, listen to the candidates and say, OK, you know, forget the way somebody looks. I want to hear what are their policies that they're going to support and act or oppose. Sometimes it's what they're going to fight or say no to as much as this. I always said when I was in the Alabama House of Representatives, I said, you know what the toughest vote is? It's a no vote. Why? Because you're turning somebody down. You know what you usually turn down? Somebody wants money. Everybody comes to either Montgomery, Alabama, or you know Nashville, Tennessee, or Jackson, Mississippi. Pick your state capital or Washington, D.C. with their hand out asking for money. Yep. And it's easy to say, yes, who doesn't want to turn it? This child wants candy? Yes, yes, yes. Do they need the candy at 10 o'clock at night? No. And I felt the same way kind of in Montgomery. The hardest vote, but usually the best vote is sometimes a no vote. So I can go back and look and say, hey, I passed this legislation. But usually your resume is your best is I voted against this. The no vote is sometimes the best vote because you're turning down someone who needs money. It's like, no, we don't need to be funding that or we don't have the money for that or we need to have a balanced budget or we need that. That's an expense the taxpayers don't need to take on. Yeah. Well, that's what the that's what the voters. So we, we don't I don't know how many listeners we're going to have out there that have actually been in politics, but I've got a ton of them that are voters. And I would just encourage every listener out there 
focus on what the policies are that the candidate that you like is going to do. Do you like high taxes, low taxes? Are you for abortion against it? You want the border open or the border closed? I'm not telling you which way to vote. It's up to you, but you should know what your candidate's going to do. Like currently right now, our vice president said recently that the border, the southern border is secured. Factually, you can't have 2 million people coming across the border and call it secured. It's just not. It's like saying, I mean, it seemed to me the current political environment is just say what you want to say and a lot of Americans will believe you. Planned Parenthood. Okay, Planned Parenthood is not planning parenthood. It's planning abortions. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is not about black lives. It's the opposite of that. There's a lot of black folks that have lost their lives during the Black Lives Movement didn't say a word about it. I just think it's important to, to dig down to the root cause and find out what is the organization about, what is the organization support, and what are they going to do? Well, it was just like this uh, bill that just uh, got signed into law that was called the Inflation Reduction Act. It didn't, in, it didn't reduce inflation. It's the opposite. It's, it's, the opposite. it's going to increase. And they think we're all just a bunch of sheep out here. We're going to call it the Inflation Reduction Act, and we're going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you're like, oh, great inflation. No, it's going to do just the opposite. It's pouring money in to uh, yeah, you print government. money. You print printing money. money and say you're going to reduce inflation. It's going to be the opposite. But you can just call it Inflation Reduction Act. And you have a big party outside and have James Taylor. That's not going to reduce inflation. But you call it. So that's why we get back to we need engaged educated voters to get beyond the media, get beyond the spin and say, what's really going on with our government officials, whether it's the dog catcher or whether it's the president? Yeah. Well, I'm not a fan of politicians in general, but you got to have them. That's the way our, our country works. Elected office. Elected right? office. That's right. And what I'd like to see is an elected official that does what he said he was going to do. Now, I will say this. The importance, I think we're talking, if, if we're going to go down a political road, the importance is that for our for all our listeners to make sure that they know what the politician stands for and what they're going to do once they get there. You know, we had a guy named Roy Moore, Judge Roy Moore, pretty rough character. I don't know him again. I don't know many politicians. Uh, I know some of our Alabama politicians. But I had a, a liberal friend of mine say, you can't vote for him because of the things he's done in the past. My answer was, I'm absolutely voting for him because if he goes to D.C., he's going to push the conservative vote every time, which is what I want. I don't know him. I wouldn't buy him a beer. I probably wouldn't piss him if he's on fire. But if he's in if it, even Washington and he's voting, he's going to vote the way I want him to vote, as opposed to who went to Washington, Doug Jones, and he said, you know, I'm going to walk across the aisle. I'm going to work with my conservatives. Didn't do it at a time. He voted right down the liberal line. Of course, we fired him. We put Tommy Tuberville in, which is great. But I just think, and I'm not, I'm obviously not neutral in this. I've said enough now that my listeners know I'm conservative, but I'm not opposed to being a liberal if that's what you want. Like, for example, I think our current president is doing what he said he's going to do. I would ask my Democratic friend, do you like where we are? Our, the inflation is through the roof. Our borders open. Our, you can't buy food and milk at a normal price anymore. Our gas is $5 a gallon. More than that in some place. I paid five ninety nine in Homewood yesterday. I mean, is it, do you like it? Is this where you want to be? Because... I do have some liberal friends that their stance has been, it's not with everybody. Well, I'll tell you now, everybody in America is paying the same. They buy their gas where I buy my gas. They buy their chicken where I buy my chicken. And the same thing. So it doesn't matter where, where you are on the poverty level. You're purchasing the same stuff I'm purchasing. So it affects them even more if they if they're, have less money. So when you were running, what, what were your stance? How did you, how did you get elected? To me, the... 
and, and everybody's got different style. When, when I ran for the Alabama House of Representatives, to me, the most important thing was actually getting out there, meeting people. And I knocked on lots of doors. I mean, I, I ble- believed in the whole retail, shaking hands and saying, look, the most important, what you want to look for an elected official is obviously competent. But I said, I'm going to show up for the job and I'm always going to be accessible because now more than ever, we see people get elected and then you never hear from them again until it's, until it's, it's time to elect them until again. Until it's elected again. So I look people in the face said, I will be accessible. I mean, telephone, email, in person. And I did that. And I think to me, that is the most important aspect is to have elected officials who are accessible because I always say, you're the boss. And I said, I'm going to show up for the job. I never missed a day. One day, the, the whole ice mageddon that we had here in Birmingham, Alabama, back in, was it 2013, 2014? Yeah, we didn't do a little snow and ice in Alabama. No. And uh, other than that, I never missed a day in 10 years. So but what we were missing, and you said at the beginning, is people say a lot of stuff to get elected. Then once they get elected, they don't follow through with it because they're, they're more fascinated by the titles. And I said, these guys put their pants on one leg at a time. So don't treat them like royalty. Respect the person for taking. I mean, it's a sacrifice from your family. And I said nobody made me do it. But the you get problem, paid a lot of money, though, right? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, I can say uh, it the cost legis- you money. It, well, the legislature when I got down, voted themselves like a thirty-six percent pay raise, and that, not only did I vote against it, I never took it. I mean, I forfeited about a hundred thousand dollars because I said I didn't run to give myself a pay raise, and, and I thought it was wrong the way the legislature did it, kind of at the dark at night, behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. it was wrong, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I did. And I kept my word and said I would never give myself a pay raise, and I didn't. But you have guys who say, oh, I'm going to term limit themselves, and then they break that limit. Mm-hmm. And, it's addicting. And power is addicting. Power is addicting. And so you, you need people to remember who got them there, you know, who they bring to the dance, and it's the people. Whether you're in Washington, D.C. or any state capital or the county courts, who brought you there? It's the people. And don't forget the reason. And right now, in the year 2022, who brought us here? It was the founding fathers. But they created a document that allowed it to be amended. And, you know, and, and we've done that to for freedoms. And, and But right now we see this push to limit the First Amendment and religious liberties. And that's what we need to be concerned about because there's a big push. Thank goodness. Let's look at what's happened in the past here, not only in the United States, but you've seen in England with the Prime Minister Truss. You've seen new Prime Minister in Italy. That's a big one. Where they're pushing back against this narrative of we're going to silence you. Uh, the the new Prime Minister of Italy, I really I like what she said. She said, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm a mother. I'm an Italian. You're not going to. I'm a gonna, woman. I'm a woman. You're not going to try to just make me a number. Or I'm going to, that's my identity. You're not going to take my identity away. And more than ever, I appreciate what she's saying and that she's not going to back down. None of us need to back down. All of us have to have the courage to stand up for the bullies. There's a lot of bullies in society. Unfortunately, a lot of the bullies are in the media and on social media. And people need to have the courage to stand up to say what's right now. And so that's why I'm really impressed with this prime minister in Italy. Yeah. I'm more impressed with the people of Italy for electing her. Well, that, that is a good point. Yeah, there's going to be, a, and I think the same thing's going to happen here. We've had a lot of folks that might have leaned left, and they've had enough. So they're not going to say it out loud. But when they go in that voting booth, they're going to punch the Republican ticket. Well, look what happened in Minneapolis. 
that was kind of the birth of the defund the police. And they had a, the opportunity to defund the police. And what was ironic was in some of the neighborhoods with the worst crime, they voted not to defund the police. Oh, they want the police. And, and, and then some of these kind of country club elites. Upsy. Oh, we're going to defund the police. And so it, it's just so crazy where we are with some folks that are so out of touch with how bad crime is in this country. And that is the response, kind of a light, kind response. You do this, something's going to happen. When you say don't respect police, when you say let's take money away from the police, when you say let's take away the laws, then what are you going to have? People who don't respect the it's laws. It's the wild, wild west. And, and now we've got to the point where crime is, is as high, like a 40, 50-year high. Yeah. Well, if you look at Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., I mean, a lot of these places got liberal DAs that aren't prosecuting. In fact, no bail. So you just, they just turn you loose. And then you've got tons of tent cities. I mean, in San Francisco, my wife and I used to go through there going to the Napa Valley. Love it. Beautiful city. Now, it's a, it's a war zone. You, you may step on a needle. Yeah, well, a needle or feces or a person in a tent. or And, by the way, they're paying them. So I saw a video of a guy. He's on the sidewalk in a tent. And he goes, oh, I get $700 a month. I'm good. I got Wi-Fi. I got my mobile phone. I got my TV in a tent on the side of the road with a generator. And the, the city pays him six well, $700 a month. Well, look at what just happened to one of my favorite cities in this country is New Orleans. And they just became the murder capital of oh, the country. Yeah. They just took over from St. Louis. Yeah. And why is that? Because, you know, terrible leadership at the top, the mayor who needs to be recalled, and just a lack of respect for the law. And, and New Orleans is like San Francisco, a great town, great scenery yeah, and food. history, and food. And it's going to hurt the city because if you're a tourist, do you want to go? No. And put yourself in danger. It is now the murder ca- New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, and um, look what's just happened in Memphis recently, and they've got a new district attorney. Same sort of thing. Just these district attorneys that are being elected who don't want to have bail, who want to release people. It's a real problem in this country, and I'm hopeful, like you said, in November, people will say enough is enough. Yeah. Well, our military. So you know, I've got a military background, spent 28 years in the Marine Corps, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm not proud right now of our military brass, especially when it comes to COVID. The commandant of the Marine Corps made a video recently. And he's looking right in the camera. He's got the sergeant major sitting by him. And he tells the troops in the Marine Corps, 175,000 strong, I understand the science and you should get this vaccine. He's lost his mind. He don't fucking know that. He's not a doctor. And even the doctors, I can tell you this too. I've lost so much faith in every doctor I know. There's one doctor that I know right now, the one, one that I still respect, because at least he was willing to look at the facts and say there is really natural immunity. But I've got doctors that told me, I mean, one of my best friends, and I will not mention his name because he's a great surgeon, and he's here in Birmingham. And I, I got some information from a doctor, the doctor that is looking at the data, and I sent it to this guy. And he called me and said, Bruce, this this is months ago, but he said, I would wear multiple masks if you can, get the vaccine and get every booster. And I told him, I said, you've lost your mind. Can, I mean, I can read. I'm not a medical doctor, but I can read. And I mean, I'm not vaccinated, and I've got some employees that are, we're in the same boat. In fact, I think I'm better off than there. I've got way more immunity than they've got. And I get tested. I go to LabCorp every quarter. I get te- my blood tested, and I know where my immunity stands. And it's all natural. I mean, it's natural immunity. I, I personally say God is a way better doctor than any human. He He designed us to protect ourselves. So I think this, this, I mean, with COVID, 
I think it's been over forever. I don't think it was ever here. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it was a virus. It was a flu, and it is, it is a real flu. But we're vaccinating children. What, what, we're vaccinating 20-year-olds? We, we had on a basketball team. I coach on a basketball team. I won't mention the school because I haven't asked them. But we go to a game. This was during COVID. We go to a basketball game. i got three players that are not vaccinated. I've got everybody else is vaccinated. I'm not. The other two coaches are. At this game, one of our uh, players got COVID. By the way, fully vaccinated. He gets COVID. The school told us we had to take the three players that are unvaxxed off the roster for the game. So they have not, they're in a hotel room by themselves. I go knock on their door and go, hey, guys, we put the three unvaxxed guys in the room by themselves. And you know all the vaccinated guys were together. Knocked on the door and said, hey, buddy, you're not playing today. By the way, it was two of our bigs, too. We needed them. And they go, sir? And I go, yeah, you're not playing today. Well, why are we not playing? You're not playing because the other player, I won't mention his name, the other player that's vaccinated contracted COVID. He down in his room isolated, but you can't play. Complete nonsense. Made no, it's no sense at all, but we stopped them from playing. And by the way, we have, we have Marines and sailors right now in Pensacola, Florida, that are not being allowed to train, even today not be able to train in flight school because they're not vaccinated. Well, I mean, let's, let's get back to the military. And, and thank God bless you for your service and serving our nation. I tell you, I am distraught where we are. It, with Secretary Austin starting at the top and the way he has handled the military, I, you know, I, I'm just going to be say it. I, I think the way he has led the United States military is shameful. Three reasons. A, the, the lack of accountability of what happened in Afghanistan. Those 13 servicemen, sailors that died, that died in the withdrawal. Where, has there been any accountability? I'm not aware of any accountability. No, none. For those men and women that died from starting at the top, Secretary of Austin and Milley and uh, Central Command. Where has been the, the, the accountability? Secondly, you see what's going on in the service academies with the woke politics and the bullying that's going on and uh, they're not worried they're more worried about climate change than our enemies or making sure we have a strong military telling the soldiers if you need money go on welfare uh, or food stamps I mean we have the military go on welfare we have the greatest men and women being bullied by the leadership the United States military and that has got to change we need a change at the top I guess we're going to have to go back to the presidency in two years to Take a hard look at where we are with our United States military, because under General Austin, I have I, I th- think we all believe there has been a derogation of our fighting forces because they're more worried about political correctness, wokeness, climate change, not paying the soldiers what they need to be paid and respecting our soldiers and making sure they're a strong fighting force. Chinese military have got to be looking at what we're doing when we're more worried about having a tweet about Pride Day than about the strength of our military. Yeah, and pronoun. What pronouns do you use? And what pronouns? We're, 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 tra- we're doing that training in the military right now. What pronouns do you use? Yeah. And which but, one do you want? But, well, you know, so there, we had a commandant named Krulak, and he ended up being the president of Birmingham Southern College here in Birmingham. I know him. I'm way younger than he is. We're, we're not buddies because he was way senior to me. And I respect him. He, he served a long time in the military, the Marine Corps. He was our commandant then in Birmingham Southern. He supported Doug Jones. So there's a lot of military leaders, very senior ones, and they've kind of got a socialist mindset. The military is socialism. I mean, you have free health care, free food, free, 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 and you're not in the money-making business. You should be in the business of training to protect America. So you, we don't want you to money-making business. But when these military leaders grow up with no budget, 
the budget is whatever they need. If they need more, we just take more tax money. You end up with some senior leaders. This guy was a four-star general and supported Doug Jones. So I don't know. I don't know how he got to that point after serving. I think over thirty years in the Marine. And, Corps. and you would think the top officers of the military would be the most patriotic, strongest to defend our civil liberties, our First Amendments, our freedoms. Yeah, it's a shame that that's not the case. No, and again, where is the accountability with the top brass at the Pentagon when it comes to what happened in Afghanistan? And what's going on with our military? It's really concerning. Yeah, you know, I've always had a stance for somebody that wants to join the military. And my stance has been this, and I served 28 years. I don't care who you are. If you make the fighting force stronger, Come on, get on board. But if you don't, you ain't going to be allowed to fight. So there's a lot of folks that are being allowed in the military today. And my personal opinion is it's not making the fighting force stronger. We're doing it because it's politically correct. But when they hit the battlefield, there's a lot of young men and women that are going to die because this jack leg is not in in a position to fight. Look look Uh, at this new or this diversity, equity, inclusion director for the United States Air Force who was openly racist. Yeah. openly bigoted, and she's like the one of the top folks for the United States, I think it was the Air Force or Army. Yeah, we're saying politically correct. The Air Force, there's the guy leading the Air Force, too, uh, he's got some issues with him. But I just think the same thing. If, if you're going to allow somebody to join the military, it's a simple question. Do you make the fighting force stronger? If you do, I don't care what your issues are. Come on and fight. But if you don't, we're not, we're not, we're not letting you join just because it's politically correct. Right now, we do. Political correctness is, is the way to get into the military. Well, look, and to become an officer, and I've had some folks who said that that's the concern right now is the political to, to move up the ranks. Look, I, like you, am for limited government, but the one part of the government I want the strongest, I want to make sure it's fully funded and have the best in the world, is our military. Yeah. Because our national defense to protect our other freedoms is number one. Yeah. So you have a strong national defense. To make sure you can defend my freedom of religion and freedom of assembly and, and freedom speech. of speech. And, and and But if you don't have a strong military, somebody may come in who says, no, we want to be authoritarian and so forth. So that is what's so concerning about the state of the military right now is national security seems to be down the pecking order below political correctness and climate change yeah. and some of these other things. We need to have somebody back at the top leading our military. To be a strong military. Strong military. And not to be worried about it, because I can yeah. promise you our adversaries oh, are making China's sure watching closely. You know, it always confuses me, too. No matter which side of the fence you're on, whether, and of course, in America, there's really just two. Uh, there's Democrats and Republicans. There's independents, but you ain't never going to. Independents are just a, as a wash. They're just a, it doesn't matter because there's not many of them. Sometimes they do break the tie. But with a Democrat or Republican, no matter which president you are, I have no idea why you would not want a strong military, because... That makes you strong. If you can pick the phone up and call China, Russia, North Korea, whoever, and go, hey, this is the president of the United States, and he knows what your military looks like, then you have a lot of power on that call. If your military gets weak, you think I don't mean, he goes, yeah, I know who this is. I don't care who this is. Right. So I, I, for the life of me, I can't, stand, I can't understand why any president would not want a strong military presence to protect America. And right now we have a president that is not a fan of the military. So we'll we'll see where we stand. Well, we got the midterms coming up on the midterm elections. What are your thoughts? And I do like the idea. Remember, it's not only you mentioned the UK and Italy, but I believe Hungary, Sweden, and there's some other European countries that have elected you know 
very conservative. Which is presence. unusual for Europe. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, big time liberal. Yeah. Uh, but they, 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 I think they've had enough. Uh, especially, I mean, I think Italy's leading the race. For any of those listeners, go Google the Prime Minister oh, of Italy. She, oh, my gosh. I, I have been just fascinated to listen to her. And, and what I like about it, again, she says, I'm not apologizing to anybody. I'm putting Italy first. I'm putting the people of Italy first. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, she's a fascist. They don't like her because she's conservative. Mm-hmm. Actually, she's the first woman prime minister. Any yes. other time, they would have been talking that as the lead story. no. They yeah. got to say Mussolini. It's insulting, but again, that's why you can't rely on the media. You have to do your own research. Well, the the saving grace for me, though, and the blessing is that the people elected her. Right. So you can like her or not like her, but the majority of the people wanted her there. That's I think that says a lot about the state of Europe and these other countries that are following suit, electing well, conservative leaders. They've had enough. Well, they're having the same problems uh, here with with open borders. Oh yeah. Of course. And and the disrespect for our borders like our current administration has. And I think that will be, a, I mean, I think the two top factors for the upcoming elections will be obviously the economy. Was it James Carville, who's actually in town? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was the, it's the economy, stupid. And so we need to remind, and he's a Democrat, remind the, the current administration, the stock market, the trillions of dollars lost in the stock market, the inflation, the supply chain problems, energy de- dependence. That's what people are going to be talking about. And then the crime issue. I think those are the two issues. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that we could be talking about. But I think those will be the two centerpiece when people go to the ballot box. Like, I don't feel safe and I don't have as much money in my savings account to take care of my family. Yeah, well, my, I've got a daughter in Memphis and my daughter's scared to death. I mean, she just I mean, recently, of course, you had the, 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 the kindergartner, the teacher that was kidnapped on a run, early morning run by herself, and then murdered. Then you had a 19-year-old running around shooting people because his mother passed away. And then after that, she had a guy in her parking lot with a gun. She just called me on the phone and said, Dad, there's a man in, the, in my parking lot. She lives right by the campus on a, in a nice condo, a rental. And I said, well, okay, lock the door, go to your bedroom. I mean, she's not armed. So I, I know that it, the, the student body at the University of Memphis is very nervous. It's an open campus. There's no fences. They're very nervous, as are probably the citizens of Memphis and other cities, too. If you're in Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, I mean, Chicago, just keep naming them, uh, New York, you got to be fearful because, I mean, the guy in New York going through the subway with a box cutter, just oh, slicing I, people. Uh, look, so, I was in Washington, D.C. recently, and uh, I, I didn't go n- 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 anywhere near the metro. And I think generally the metro said, but again, with what's been going know. on. Uh, and you can't arm yourself. Yeah. So, so why why would you do that? Put yourself in a situation where there have been attacks yeah. uh, around the country. So, well, so on the on the issue of arming yourself, of course, I do carry. And I was at a restaurant recently. Well, we had a for those that don't know, we had a murder at a the Stavia Hills Church. And I, I know I don't have these numbers exactly right, but this fellow was like seventy five years old and walks into a church at a Wednesday evening supper kind of thing. And shot some 80-year-olds, like three or four of them, and killed them for no apparent reason. And some guy hit him with a chair, got the gun from him, and stopped him. So I'm in a restaurant with my wife having dinner one night about two days after that. And a lady walked up to me and confronted me and said, are you a police officer? And I said, why do you want to know? And she said, well, you're carrying a gun. And I said, well, I'm carrying a gun because I'm a citizen and it's legal. And I, I'm a good guy. I told her, I'm a good guy. I don't know if you want me in here. Yeah, no, I said, I, yeah. <laughs> you then, want me in and here. And she said, this is what she said. She said, well, I just lost three friends in my church. And I said, lady, I know about your church. And I'm very sorry for your loss, but I'm a good guy. If somebody walks in this restaurant now, he might shoot one, but probably not. And I got him. So 
I'm carrying for a reason. I have the right to carry. I want to protect my family and myself. So I carry. So I told the bartender, I said, go, go tell the, I won't mention the name of the restaurant, but I said, go tell the owner that I'm being harassed and I just, I don't want this to go anywhere. She just, so he goes, he came back and he said, all right, the owner who I know really well, I, got, I frequent this restaurant. It's in Cahaba Heights. Wonderful restaurant. I mentioned it's called Food Bar. It's a great restaurant. So George said, if you don't mind, just this one time, Bruce, if you don't mind, would you put your gun in the car? And I said, sure, I respect you own the business. If you don't want a gun in your business, I absolutely respect that. But if this gun goes in my car, so does my body and I'm never coming back. And he goes, nope, don't do that. Stay, I'll talk to her. And he didn't. Had dinner. She was talking about me during dinner because my wife could hear it. I don't hear it well, so I couldn't hear it. And then uh, her waiter, she said something about me and the waiter said, that's Dr. Bright. He's in here every week. He's a great guy. We know him really well. He's a retired Marine and he has a doctorate in psychology. Well, guess what? She has a doctorate in psychology. So now some of her buddies. She walks back up to me after dinner and apologizes. And she said, I'm so sorry. I was upset about my friends. And I told her this. I said, look, I'm so sorry for your loss. But had I been in that church, you wouldn't have lost three. You might have lost one and probably not that because I'm pretty good with the iron. But I don't want to fight the guy with a chair. And he's got a gun. So it was really interesting that she she reverted. And I told her, I said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry for what happened. And it's, it was terrible. And but I think it's because to- where we are now, we got to understand is, like we talked about the seven murders in Birmingham and the seven in Chicago. Unfortunately, no, you can have all the gun laws and buybacks. The bad guys are going to get access to they the don't, guns. They don't follow the law. They don't follow the law. They're, yeah. they're not going to do the background check or make sure they get, no, they're going to get those guns. No, I can buy you a gun right now. You give me, if you give me $50, I can buy you a gun in 25 minutes right now. Right. So, uh, you know, we've seen time, we've had these situations where a good guy is able to stop because, you know, look, the police cannot be everywhere. No, we don't have enough of them. So I understand why people get nervous about guns. I, I can appreciate that, especially now more than ever. But if there's somebody who's, a good guy with the gun where you're eating, you got to think Yeah, something happens. Well, there are, you know, whatever, we have 350 millionist people in America. How many guns do you think we have? I own 50. So do the math. It ain't guns ain't the issue. It's the bad guys. And the way to stop them is be a peacemaker. And the way I'm a peacemaker is I carry. So if so, and, and and I, we, I do think you should be trained, although that's not a requirement. I think you should be trained, knowledgeable, all those things about weapons. And right, I'll tell you, my daughter, my, my son carries, but my daughter in Memphis has asked me for a pistol. I can't give it. I bought it for her. I can't give it to her yet because she's not trained. I don't want her to kill somebody or kill herself or injure somebody and not, not mean to. But she will eventually carry because I've got it already. I've just got to get her. I've got to get her some training. I want to do two things though before we go. And I know time is short. One, I mentioned the military, and I, I hate it a little bit. I want, I want every military member to know I love the military. The rank and file are protecting us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love every one of them. They're not my issue. My issue is top brass. And after we've gone through COVID, I want some of them fired. And I'm going to work with Tuberville and see what we can do to hold them accountable. So certainly that. And then I'm going to give you kind of the last word here. What do you end by telling us where you think we're going in the midterms, and if you have any recommendations of what you think the listeners should do in terms of elections. Well, you know, I would say this. If you look what's going on around the world and use England and Italy and Sweden, then the populace as a whole is looking to push back against the bullying, against the failed economic policies, against the failed energy policies, against the 
failed border policies, against the failed criminal justice system policies. And so because of that, I think there will be a backlash at the polls. And I would anticipate that the United States House of Representatives will flip back to the Republicans. The Senate, it's going to be harder. There's going to be a lot of races. There's about six races, New Hampshire, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Georgia, Wisconsin, that are going to be are within, you know, two to three or four points. And let me tell you, it's what, September the 29th? The elections on November 8th are a lifetime away. A lot can happen between now and then. But I think the United States House of Representatives will go Republican, and I think the Senate is up for grabs. I'm going on the record to say we're taking both houses back. Well, and I hope so. Again, if you look at what's happened, again, Italy has, has traditionally not elected very conservative. Mm. And to see the people elect her. So I am optimistic that we're, we're going to get this country and this world back in and where it needs to be when it comes to individual freedoms and religious liberty and freedom of speech. And the best way to do that is to be an educated populace. Go vote and get your friends and family to vote as well. Awesome. Paul DeMarco, thank you so much for your time. Love you, my friend. And um, we'll do it again sometime. Thank you. Enjoy it. Take care, brother.